I could not be more proud of what I saw out there. And really, when I bought this team two years ago, this was kind of my dream, is to really put ourselves into a playoff situation with a chance to win a championship. But when you come out for your first playoff game, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And, you know, that was a purely professional uh, performance by our entire team, top to bottom. Mike Seaton was spectacular. Uh, Andre was spectacular. But really, everyone just put in a professional performance. All right, so that was the owner of Orange County Soccer Club, James Keston, after the match on Saturday as Orange County defeated St. Louis 4-0. You could tell he was pretty excited, and I know uh, I was excited. I think Dylan was excited. I think many of you were excited. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. As we are underway from the Champion Soccer Stadium, first time into the box, it's a great ball, and it bolts in. Oh, it's a world-class goal from Orange County. Shallow, shallow. Are you ready, Orange County? This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast and on Facebook at Orange and Black SoccerCast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. The first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samore, and I'm with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. And joining me like he does each and every episode, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going. This week has been crazy and uh, personal and educational stuff, but, you know. Uh, three days until an Orange County game, so I'm just counting down. Have you gotten your voice back uh, after that match on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, we. Uh, I'm going to sound like a player here, like I actually do something important at these matches, but you do this week in, week out, and then uh, your voice just recovers um, no matter how much yelling you do. So, Well, that's good to hear. Right? We need the voice for the match. Uh, we've got a couple of guests that are joining us this week to help us uh, talk about the match and also preview our upcoming match, which is a big match here in the playoffs. Uh, the first guest I want to introduce is uh, the first time guest to our show. He is part of BGN, Beautiful Game Network, which is where you can find our podcast along with many other podcasts. Uh, and you can also find some written information, which this guest is a big part of. And that's Richard Rainwater. Richard, welcome to the Orange Black Soccer Cast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. And, uh, you know, we were talking before we went live, before we started recording here. This is sort of uh, uh, uncharted water for you, correct? Yeah. So this is a uh, second ever podcast. So I'm, I'm very excited to kind of uh, see this other side of the beautiful game network. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk some soccer. Well, I'm glad you're able to uh, take some time to come out and join us. Uh, you're going to be providing sort of that outsider look at the uh, the match coming up and even just the matches that happened here. Uh, I believe you cover more uh, on the Eastern Conference and specifically Indy 11, correct? Yeah, so uh, typically uh, focus mainly on Indy 11. Uh, some of the USL expansion coming up, I've been covering a lot of that for BGN Written. Uh, but yeah, very East Coast biased over here, so trying to bring some balance to OC. <laughs> well, no, no, we and we definitely uh, love to hear it because uh, it's definitely a good thing to try and hear what uh, people outside of Orange County and I guess I'm sure Reno as well, uh, what the outsiders are thinking of these clubs. Uh, speaking of Reno, we have another guest that's joining us on this episode, and this is a guest that you've heard the voice not once, not twice, but this will now be the third time you've heard his voice here on the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. He is a host of the 1868 Weekly, which covers Reno 1868 FC. And that is John, is it, I, I forgot your name now, John Macaluso, right? Hey, there you we got go. it. Yeah, there third time's a charm, right? Awesome, yes. What's up, guys? It's nice to be back. Uh, nice to be the uh, third host again. 
Um, are, is that what we're doing? I'm just going to be like the honorary like new host of uh, or third, third, <laughs> second co-host. Yeah, second co-host. Let's go with that. How does that I, sound? I think you're coming for Dylan's job is what it sounds like. A third co-host because I, <laughs> I like Dylan. More I qualified mean, than I am. It's so just, I guess it's already been I, I've got what, like seven years on you? So. Well, uh, and, and definitely, <laughs> definitely once we start bringing in, once we get more, I guess, more of a live, uh, maybe we get on the radio, then we can make, uh, make, uh, make sure we bring you on as uh, the traffic guy, right? Oh, God, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> so how is traffic in Reno? Well, it's pretty light around uh, 395 and I-80. No, no, we're not doing this. Let's talk some soccer. <laughs> Let's definitely talk some soccer. There's a lot of soccer to be talking about here. Uh, if, for those of you that have been hiding under a rock, if you didn't know, uh, Orange County and Reno both played uh, their first playoff matches of the off season, or the of the postseason uh, this past weekend, and both of them came out victorious. Uh, both uh, teams had probably a different style of game going on. Uh, you know, Orange County was a little bit more of a, a lopsided outcome. Uh, with some stuff thrown in there that we'll talk about. Reno was a little bit more of a nail-biter, I'm sure, for John, especially in the fans up there in Reno. And they were able to pull out a victory, you know, at the last moment there. So that was pretty awesome to see as an outsider fan. Uh, so let's, I guess, uh, before we actually get into that stuff, though, a quick thing I want to mention uh, for those of you that are listening live or if you're listening uh, on the podcast. So on Wednesday, the club made the official announcement that they had signed uh, or that one of the players had signed an extension. Uh, Dylan, I will give you the honors of letting the fans know which player we're talking about here. We are, of course, talking about Michael Seaton. Seaton's on fire. Your defense is terrified, I think, is uh, the, the way the chant goes on that. Correct. We totally ripped <laughs> off the Wigan fans Will Grig- and the Northern Ireland fans. Will yeah. Griggs on fire. But like, you they know know, like they know anything about Orange County Soccer Club out there anyways. Uh, but... Uh, Quick thoughts on that, Dylan. What are your thoughts on getting another key player or key part of this club? Because we've had the coach, we've had Aiden Quinn, and now Michael Seaton announcement. It seems like we're getting some good announcements, and probably I'm, I'm hoping there's going to be more to come. Yeah, I mean, if we just look at regular season stats, we have something like, I think, 23 goals and, uh, wow, oh, I don't know, like 21 or 22 assists. And that's off the top of my head, so go ahead and at me and tell me I'm wrong. Um, but having quality players return is huge, not only for the for the club, but I think we're seeing a, a, a pretty definite change in the way the league handles things now. And we're seeing a little bit more of establishment and some... Uh, the, it's, the, it's nice. You're getting... Uh, yeah, because we talked about in the past, uh, you know, the constant turnover of the rosters year in and year out. And I'll ask even John and Richard, I mean, if you guys notice that with your clubs as well, where you have sort of that constant every season you're having to get to know almost a full new roster of players or have you guys experienced a little bit more of the uh, consistency in the rosters let's go with richard first well what's interesting with indy 11 is there were a cast of players that were there for two or three years in the nasl um for all of its faults the north american soccer league was known as a place that would give out some pretty decent contracts uh and so we were able to retain a few players for two or three seasons and really got to know some guys. Um, but this off season, making the switch from NASL to USL, uh, bringing in a new coach all within a matter of about three weeks, it really kind of shook things up. So we had that kind of shock to our system where we had to get used to an entirely new group of players, uh, entirely new group of coaches. Um, so it was, it was a definite change. Um, and it's something that, you know, anytime that one of your top players can sign and stick around for a couple of years, I mean, it, it really is beneficial for the club, the fans, just kind of everybody. Definitely. What about you, John, uh, up in Reno? Have you guys experienced uh, any stability in the roster, or is it like almost every other USL team where you have pretty much a 90% turnover of the roster year in and year out? Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because this is Reno's second year of, you know, even existing. So, um, but I can say, I mean, like right now we, we have a good amount of players who were new and a good amount of players who were with the club last year. And, you know, Ian Russell was with the club last year as well. So, um, I, there's, uh, it's just, I think it's just a little too early in the franchise's, uh, lifetime to really say yet, but I, I can, I imagine consistency is nice, (laughs) 
right? I mean, like, you don't want an entire completely new team unless you're like the Earthquakes, which I'm hoping for. <laughs> I realize as I'm talking that I everything I'm saying I don't want for Reno, I want for the Quakes. So, uh, you know, consistency <laughs> is good when it all comes together well. Consistency is, you know, you want to definitely throw in some some new th- things when the game plan's not really going according to plan. So, but, uh, I mean, you know, we'll... Ask me this question in like another couple of years or, or maybe even next year. We'll we'll see if I can answer it a little bit better. We'll try and remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think the big thing is what players do you keep? Because you don't want to keep everybody. Um, but, you know, if you can keep your top guys, I think it says a lot about who you are as a team. Um, because if you can keep your best performers away, especially from your rivals and other opponents, it, it really means that you've kind of made it what are your thoughts dylan yeah i mean we uh i mean we locked up guy with the most passes in the usl entirely and the guy probably the best uh creative player in the uh in the west so you know and probably the guy that would many would consider to be the mvp for orange county this season uh, in Aiden yeah. Quinn. And I know we talked about this last week is, I mean, you were sort of worried, you know, at the end of the season, Aiden Quinn's going to potentially get an offer with an MLS club uh, or whatnot. So the fact that you're able to at least convince him to sign a contract here doesn't mean he won't get sold or, or whatever comes, you know, in a year or two. But it's just nice to see that commitment. And then again, a player like Michael Seaton. Michael Seaton's what, 22 years old? Uh, he's right. definitely a good prospect type player. He's played in the MLS and then you know, these are players that would have a good opportunity to go try out for an MLS an MLS team in the offseason, but instead they're sort of committing their at least next season and maybe the next season or two to Orange County, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, if you're 22, 24, 26, I mean, maybe 26, you're getting to the point where you're a little bit okay with a bigger contract, but if you're, you know, if you're Michael Seaton, you're 22, you probably want as much playing time. And we've seen the more he plays, the better he is. Um, he gets into that form and into that week in week out and just starts scoring and once i mean we saw it when he uh linked up a couple matches into the season with uh thomas and Voltsen that suddenly we were properly tearing teams apart that once that final pass got done we were getting those shots off yeah, orange no, county is a really difficult team to play against definitely and, and especially with those scoring threats john do you have any thought any more thoughts on this or uh, just out of curiosity, I have I have like a situation here in Reno where I'm a fan of the Earthquakes and a fan of Reno 1868 FC, and I have a hard time figuring out which one kind of matters more to me. So I and I was kind of curious: Are you guys also fans of LAFC? <laughs> I'm, I am not. I really I don't care about the MLS uh, at all. And yeah, and I could probably say, and this is just sort of a guess off the top of my head. I would say a good probably three quarters of Orange County fans are strict Orange County SC fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably do- aren't big fans. And again, this might just have something to do with Orange County tends to not want to be considered part of LA, even though in the greater big picture of things we are. You know, we got the LA Angels of Anaheim is a great example of how you know we sort of get tied in with LA. But Orange County likes to look at itself as its own entity, so. Any time, especially, you know, we have a now a professional soccer team that's actually a really good professional soccer team now. I know it's tier two, but it's still a professional soccer team uh, in Orange County. It gives uh, fans a less reason to go out to uh, L.A. I sort of like LAFC just because I like really good soccer, and uh, I think that ownership group is really good. and the, They've created this great environment for an MLS club out in L.A., uh, but, you know, I'm, I, I can be honest, I've maybe watched – all season like 90 minutes worth of uh, play from them so yeah no, i'm just <laughs> curious <laughs> no 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 i get it well let's do this um let's get into the meat of things here and let's talk about first the matches that happened this past weekend we'll start off with uh, the home team match here which is orange county orange county hosted st louis the first ever pl- home playoff match in orange county it was also the first ever playoff match for st louis you know, it was one of those teams. I think when we spoke last week, I was worried that St. Louis was the team I didn't want to phase out of the potential playoff opponents, at least heading into it. I guess thinking after the fact now, it actually was not a bad matchup. I think we sort of got lucky in there. Uh, let's sort of just get quick first thoughts. Uh, you know, overall, Dylan of the match, uh, just in general, just your quick, quick brief thoughts on it. 
I mean, that is the best game that Orange County has ever played. Um, and that is probably Michael Seaton's best ever game. I'll just leave it at that and the positives. I mean, there's so much to get into with this game. Um, <laughs> and we'll, I know we'll get into it. So I'll just leave it at that's probably the best game Orange County's ever played. And the best game Michael Seaton's ever played. Um, what about you, uh, John? Did you get a chance to catch either the game or the highlights of the match? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely saw that red card and uh, checked out Seaton's hat trick. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I think that red card has definitely been uh, a lot of... It's been Orange County's only criticism because it wasn't... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it should have been a red card. I think that's easy to argue. But, uh, Ray, you said something to someone on the BGN chat the other day. And, uh, y you know, you were defending the club. And you brought up the fact that Orange County still would have scored at least two goals. I'm I'm pretty certain they would have the way they played in that match. Yes, I get it. Mm -hmm. um, St. Louis was down a man for most of that match, but we had put up a goal in the first you know 11 mm -hmm. minutes of the match. Uh, I know it was a bad pass from St. Louis, but you know from what we heard from Phil Grooms from uh, STL Soccer Report, uh, we heard from Matt. I believe was his name. Was that is that right, Dylan? Was it Matt from the Luligans? Um, I believe I'm it's sorry was, if they're listening. I don't remember. <laughs> he was it's with us uh, on our live broadcast. Me and Dylan were just sort of out of our minds trying to get the broadcast going, get, then get packed up and head out to the stadium to cover the match. Uh, so I apologize. If it is Matt, great. I got it right. If not, I apologize. Uh, I owe you uh, something. I don't know. But uh, from what we heard from everyone was St. Louis had a really amazing defense. Uh, and it seemed like either A, they sort of had that deer in headlights uh shock on them early on and throughout that match and the experience on Orange County played through or maybe maybe it was that red card just sort of gave us that extra boost uh, what are your thoughts Dylan I mean if we're being completely honest Orange County was out playing St. Louis and I get that St. Louis is a defensive team and so they they tend to sit back and then and just try and beat teams out um on a quick break but or I mean Orange County was picking St. Louis apart um, and that one pass being punished the way it was was probably enough to evidence that it wasn't going to be an easy night for St. Louis <laughs> and that they were going to have to crawl back pretty early on. Once you factor in that red card, we've seen all year long teams get a red card, they go a man down, and then that resolve really just like bumps up the cohesiveness of the 10 guys left on the pitch and we see them claw something back or just they don't go down without a fight. And St. Louis wasn't able to do that. And I think part of that is because they dropped a little bit uh, further back and, and were more content to defend. But Orange County just looked really content to hold the possession and pass around and, and try and pick them apart a little bit like we saw Barcelona pick apart Spurs a couple weeks ago. Oh, booze. You had to bring that up, right? Um, really quick before we get into any more details and into the red card, I, I, I want to give Richard a chance to just give his brief thoughts on the match, uh, what he uh, experienced or noticed, either watching the match or the highlights uh, as an outsider. Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those matches where one of the teams looked like they felt they belonged, and the other one kind of looked a little, a little blinded by the lights of the postseason. Um, a lot's been made of St. Louis kind of making it for the first time. Uh, and a lot of the key players that have been in St. Louis for a couple years just didn't really have that great of a game. I mean, I'm kind of with you guys on that where Orange County just looked like they belonged. They were the dominant team in the game. They were controlling the match and there was red card or no red card, really anything St. Louis was going to have to say about it. And that was like my big thing when I was on the the Slack chat for uh, BGN. I was just sort of uh, trying to mention, you know, I get St. Louis is a great team, and I know that red card played a big part of the match, and we'll 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 get into my thoughts on that. But I felt like the experience that OC had out on the pitch, they've had player they had players in that starting lineup that have played all over the world in big matches, including, uh, you know, Premier League, Eredivisie, World Cup. MLS All-Star Games. Uh, really quick, and, and I'll get to you, John, really quick, but I just want to play this qu quick clip from uh, the coach of Orange County, Braden Cloutier, after the match where he sort of referenced exactly what I'm talking about. 
So I noticed that looking at the lineup when it was announced today, you had some strong players in there, Richard Chaplow, Yosh Hoyveld, uh, MLS All-Star Kevin Alston. Was that part of the game plan of getting the, the players experience in big games? You know what? The, the, I tell you what the game plan was when I recruited those guys. It was all about the playoffs. I, I talked to Yosh Hoyveld back in January about an opportunity possibly here with the club. And it, at the time, he was still fighting relegation in Eredivisie in, in Holland. And so the club wouldn't let him go. Um, but... I, t I kept in touch with him, kept talking to him, and I said, look, I go, I know you're an older player. We'll take care of manager minutes and, and manager loads so, you know, your body can take care of itself. And, and But I said, look, when it comes to the playoffs, the season's a completely different beast than the playoffs, but when it comes to the playoffs, you need experienced players, players who have been there and played at the highest level. And you talk about Kevin Alston, who's played plenty of times in the, in the playoffs in MLS. Talk about Richard Chapel, who's played in the Premier League. Bill Hoyvelt, Thomas Innovolson, I mean, he played in the World Cup. I mean, so th those guys have played in bigger, much, much bigger games than what we're facing here. But I know you need that kind of leadership and that kind of quality on the field. And, and for me, I thought Yost was fantastic. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So that was sort of uh, my thoughts behind uh, why I felt, regardless of, of anything that happened in the match, I thought Orange County just looked more like the experienced team. John, what do you have to say? Yeah, I definitely, I don't want you guys to think that I think that that red card changed a lot. I was just pointing out the fact that a lot of people, you know, point at it in uh, St. Louis defense. I do disagree with your comment, though, on that BGN, which is what I was getting to. Uh, you said that OC uh, would, you know, would have scored at least two. I think that they probably still would have scored four. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I was kind of uh, caught a little bit off guard, you know, at the beginning of this episode when you said you were a little bit worried about St. Louis, and I'm over here like, why? <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, it's their stout defense or not, whatever. Uh, you're your offense has been proven like time and time again. So, and, and, you know, I don't, I'm a little bit more like blunt, I think than, than you and Dylan, but, um, <laughs> four goals against, uh, St. Louis expected, expected well, I, here. Here's where, where my worry was is in the season, we drew them both matches. Uh, we struggled against them in the season. I get it. Playoffs are a different animal, but that was where my worry came from. We were able to handily beat San Antonio, handily beat Swope Park during the season, we struggled against St. Louis during the season, so that's where my worry came from. And even when I made the prediction, sort of the the out-of-left-field prediction, because I think when we did our live pregame show, everyone else, including uh, Matt from the Luligans, uh, Cameron, who was a guest on the show live with us, and Dylan, they all uh, were calling it like a— I scoffed a, at you. They were calling that it like a one-point win for Orange County, and I came out of left field, and I said— hey, we're going to score four goals. It'll be like 4-2. And everyone, I mean, I think Matt even uh, on the podcast said there's no way that Orange County score four goals against St. Louis. And so that's where I think when I went on also on there, I sort of made that comment. Everyone laughed at me when I said we would score four goals, and lo and behold, we did. doesn't mean that, you know, the red card didn't play a part of that. And I love that you're saying regardless of the red card, we would have scored four goals uh, john that's i i love hearing that that's that's something that i think our fans will love to hear that at least someone outside of orange county would think that richard uh let me get your quick thoughts on this and then we'll get into our our uh my opinion on the red card yeah i mean you know not to jump the gun too much on the red card but i, I actually take the opposite view and think that it's more impressive that you scored three goals while they were down a man uh, St. Louis has earned their reputation for a stout defense, and when you go down to 10 men, everybody knows you're going to park the bus. You're going to pack that box and make it extremely difficult for anybody to really navigate. So the fact that it didn't really affect Orange County's plans, they still were able to pass the ball, they were able to connect from midfield to attack and not really allow St. Louis to bunker in and stay in the match. I mean, it was really an impressive, dominating performance. So let's get into the red card. Um, I'm going to say this out front, and then you guys can can chime in you know, as we go through this. Uh, and I will say it. I do not agree that it should have been a straight red card. Knowing what I know now about the situation, I, I did some research after all that happened. I, I asked around. I got some information uh, from a credible source that let me know sort of what happened in that situation. You know, A, as a fan of Orange County, I will take the advantage if it's going to come. I'm not one of those fans that can be like, oh, I wish it didn't happen because I want to, you know, have the outcome against the right way and all this. Hey, I, I have no problem. If the ref wants to give the red card, 
great. I'll take that advantage every single day. Now, in the end, after hearing what happened and and reviewing this, you know, I, I don't agree with the red card. I think um, just the ref maybe needed to take the situation more in context and not just sort of jump the gun on it uh, without going through. The official statement from the USL, I reached out to them, and they provided me a, an official statement uh, basically that Walls was sent off for abusive language toward an opposing player. That was the official statement that the league provided me on this. Um, ultimately, what it was, it was a, a certain word that maybe certain people can say with each other is what I was hearing. Um, and in my situation, in my mind, you know, maybe I'm just one of these people that's a little bit more lenient with stuff. I don't think it warranted a straight red card. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts? I'm on the same boat with you. Um, it's a weird situation. It's not a red card. Once I found out what happened and what it was for, I, I don't agree. I mean, um, the this source said it was a racial slur um, between a uh, mixed race man and obviously Michael Seaton who is black and I'm a white guy from Orange County so I'm not here to give a lesson on um, racial and ethnic makeups and uh, relationships in this country but I don't think it's a red card in that situation um, should be a warning one, at least yeah I think um, but no, red it's card. just a continuation it's definitely a yellow um, it's a continuation of that little spat that they got onto and I once finding that out, pretty much, if you're going to give a, a red card to, to Walls in that situation, you kind of have to give one to Seton as well. Well, especially, and I'll get to you really quick, Richard, but uh, especially the way Seton acted after he f realized that a red card was going to be provided. Seton was doing his, the, the like, hang loose gesture, sticking his tongue out, almost like a, you know, that ha-ha, I got you taunting type thing. And honestly, for me, that was the... The, the worst sort of action or reaction to that situation, the one that maybe would have warranted, if either situation is going to warrant a red card, I would have leaned more to that way. Just, you know, this is just me. I know everyone's going to have their own opinions on, on what happened there. Uh, Richard, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously it's it's sensitive, you know, anytime that there's racial components involved. Um, but I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't feel like a straight red was really the best way to handle the situation. If there's a question about whether or not a certain word or phrase was appropriate, you know, given the context, uh, you can always have, you know, the league investigate later and dole out punishment if necessary. But to change the course of play uh, for a situation like what took place, really, I mean, it, it was something that tainted what was a, a really solid game by Orange County. And it was really quite a shame. And I think it's it's that card that's sort of uh, putting this little, uh, I guess, asterisk by the by the win for Orange County that maybe it wasn't as quality of a win. Although speaking with you gentlemen, it seems like uh, even regardless of what happened with that red card, it seems like all of all of us are in agreement that uh, the way Orange County played in that match, probably three or four goals, uh, was pretty much a given in there. So, Dylan, what are your thoughts? Oh, I was thinking, uh, John, you can go ahead first. Okay, uh, are we asking my thoughts on the, the red card? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Go we'll go finally get around okay. to you there. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm sorry for uh, people hoping that I'll think differently, but I agree with the rest of you guys. Um, I think a, a yellow card should have been in order and then were it to continue another red or another yellow card, excuse me. Um, but I, I think red cards should be reserved for things like that could potentially injure other people. And um, I, I don't think that words can really hurt anybody, but uh, I can imagine it being okay for, you know, a yellow card. And then later in the match, if he, you know, were to continue that another yellow card, you know, but a straight up red card. Nah, I don't dig it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely, I like what Richard said, kind of a, a, a bruise on, on what was a really good game by OC. Yeah, and it's really taken away from what was an amazing performance from Michael Seaton as well. Everyone's saying, oh, he should have been sent off too, or that there never should have been a card to begin with, or right. that he should have been sent off because it was a two-footed challenge, which I don't really agree with any of that. It just should not have been. Basically, John, you have it right on. It should have been a yellow card. It was a continuation of that whole little spat between the two of them. And they, and they both played a part of it. if it keeps going, yeah, 
I mean, Seton is a player who gets under people's skins, yes. and people get under his skin as well. Um, he, they're both. It goes both ways generally. Um, he's a really dynamic and a really uh, expressive player, a bit like uh, Anna Voltson is. But you know, <laughs> it's frustrating. And honestly, had we had another ref. I, the only one I can think of that we would have gotten in the situation would have been Daniel Radford and the, I can't think of a G rated word here, but the storm that would result from that would be terrible. <laughs> um, the good old, it rest. would have been blown out substantially more than it already was. So it could have been much worse. Um, and it also could have been much better had it just been a yellow card. I don't think it really changes the outcome of the game um at all it just means there's a lot less complaining on twitter from everyone i guess yeah no um unless anyone else has one last thought on this we can move on and just sort of look at the remainder of this match uh you know again like we said orange county won four nil it was pretty much a dominating uh game out there you could tell in the second half uh there was some frustration setting in for the st louis players oh by the way I know I said anyone want to say the last thing about the red card. I do feel bad for for Tony Walls. I mean, you know, he's in the playoffs and, you know, what, 20 minutes into the match, he gets, you know, sent to the locker room or wherever they have to go after the match, the bus. But it is what it is. Um, Michael Seaton gets a hat trick in the match, which was awesome to see. I think uh, it was his first hat trick from what I could tell. Uh, and what a time to get that first hat trick. I know a Dylan after the match got a chance to speak with Michael Seaton really quickly, and this is what he had to say. You got your hat trick, yeah. and probably in the biggest game of the year that we've had. How'd you feel about your performance tonight? I was happy about the performance, especially came in clutch at the right moment. You know what I mean? But for a game in the playoffs with the club as well, you know what I mean? Good to get a hat trick and plus, like I said, it was the first hat trick of my uh, whole season, and it couldn't come at a better time. How do you feel moving forward? You're feeling all right after tonight's game. You didn't have any tight collisions or anything with anyone, so. Yeah, I had a, I had a couple little knocks, you know, but I don't think it was noticeable like the knocks that I've gotten in the regular season, but. I think I'm staying engaged off, off the field with my body and taking care of myself. So I think next game, I'll, I feel perfectly fine. All righty. Thanks, Michael. Thank you so much. Bye. Awesome. So that was Michael Seaton at the end of the match there. Uh, again, perfect time to get your first hat trick uh, with, uh, with that match in the playoffs. Um, any uh, other thoughts that you guys have on this match before we move on and talk about the Reno match that happened against uh, Real Monarchs? I mean, it was cool to see Ami Pineda get, get a, a few minutes in there um i mean i think i've said this before on the podcast when he played against tulsa and scored his first professional goal but i mean yeah he only got like i think seven minutes on the pitch but like i was in a college class with that guy like that's super cool <laughs> so when i think of a guy that like would routinely ask me for like a paper or like a pen to use in class and i see him out there for this team that I go and lose my voice for every Saturday, it feels really, really special, and I'm always just so excited to see him out there. And we talk, and he's, you know, he's homegrown, so it it adds a little bit of that local component. Well, and we talk about the turnover on rosters, and he's one of those players that was with us last season, so it's great to see him get a chance uh, in a playoff match here. Richard, what are your thoughts? Oh, just real quick, I, I was really happy to see Michael Seaton. You know, of, of anybody to get a hat trick, I think I was happy to see him. Um, he had such a good year. And normally, you know, 15 goals in a year, um, the way that he played, you know, he would be uh, all over the place. But he got overshadowed, I, I know, out here, at least a little bit, by Enel Voltson. I'm probably saying his name wrong. Um, Just say it a little bit quicker, and you had it perfect, I think, with the pronunciation there. Uh, but yeah, so he his performances a lot of times got a little overshadowed because of the the golden boot race. But you know to see such a, a young player who's played solid all year, he gets the hat trick. I mean that was uh, you know probably the brightest spot in the match. How about you, John? Any uh, last thoughts on on that match, Orange County versus St. Louis? Before we move on, no, like like I was kind of saying earlier, it was it was kind of expected regardless of that uh, red card. Um, like I I remember looking at the score to see who Reno was going to end up playing next and being like, oh yeah, not no surprise here, <laughs> you know. So uh, great match from Orange County. Expecting a really good one this weekend. Now, um, yeah, I mean that's all I got to say about it. All right, so really quick before we move on to talk about what happened with Reno against uh, Real, uh, Real Monarchs, 
Uh, I want to play one last clip from a player at the match, and that would be Andre Rawls. Uh, Dylan, you would know this. Uh, every time we scored a goal when Andre was on our side of the field or defending the goal on our side of the field, the first thing he did would turn to the fans and just sort of uh, yell and cheer with us, which was a great thing. He's been one of the greatest uh, parts of this team in interacting with the fans each and every match. Uh, and this is what Andre had to say at the end of the match. 4-0, playoffs, shutout. You obviously, I mean, you're loving it. Your face right now is just, it's the same as mine. How'd you feel about tonight? Dude, tonight was, I think that was our best game we played. Um, everybody was focused. Everybody was determined, disciplined, organized. It was just a beautiful performance from everybody from the front to the back. You weren't called upon too much tonight, and, and it's been a pretty pretty rotating cast in the back for you, but it seemed like you had everything in control. You feel that's fair? Yeah, no, I mean, it's always good when the goalie doesn't have to do anything, that's for sure. Um, but no, I mean, all these guys, we come to training every day ready to compete, ready for our name to be called. We're ready 100% of the time. Um, I mean, you can throw anybody in front of me. I'm comfortable with anybody on this team doing well. All right, thanks, Andre. Go and celebrate. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Andre had to go celebrate that one. And and again, for those of you that, uh, you know, I know Dylan, like I said, you, you can see that as a fan sitting there on the bleachers. I mean, he is one of the first ones to celebrate with the fans uh, when we scored the goal, which is, uh, like I said, he's a great part of that uh, excitement on the team. Um, yeah, I mean, he's pretty much the closest that any of the players have really come to celebrating with us during a game, which yes, if any of them are listening, please come and celebrate with us. <laughs> No, definitely. <laughs> um, really quick before we move on, uh, I, I'm just going to ask this question. Is there anyone, you know, any of you guys, is there anyone other than Michael Seaton that you would say was the player of the match uh, for this match? I mean, they might not have anything since they didn't directly watch it, but um, he's been flying under the radar since we picked him up. Kevin Alston has been a very, very solid signing defensively. I know he picked up an assist in this past match, but... He's been good all around. Um, he's good, smart, good with the ball at his feet. I mean, whatever we're paying him is is fair. Um, and he seems to love playing here and meshed really well with everyone. So give a shout-out to him. Not a bad pick. Um, I don't know if Richard or John has any other names other than Michael Seaton. That Michael Seaton is the one that I would, would call out, and I just figured most of us probably would call that out. Um, and, you know. I don't think they have another thought. No, or? sorry, guys. I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, you got to go with the Hattie like 95% of the time. And Richard, what about you? Same thing? Yeah. I mean, usually in a match, you know, you can you can pick two or three different people to point as key folks in the game. But this one was all Michael Seaton. So he gets all the glory today. Perfect. Not a uh, nice, uh, nice to hear from all of you on that. Uh, let's move on briefly to the Reno Real Monarchs match. We're not going to spend too much time on this, being that we're an Orange County podcast. Uh, but I definitely want to give, especially since we have John on here, I want to get his thoughts on how that match went. It was a totally different type of match where Orange County was a blowout. This was a tightly contested match all the way up until extra time when Reno was able to pull out the late game winner. Uh, John, give us your you know brief you know, thoughts, explanation of how that match went and, and what was going on with the fans. Yeah, guys, this match was terrifying. Uh, I was watching um, from home. I work on the weekends. I, we've had this conversation before. But anyway, I was watching at home. I couldn't travel. And uh, I was uh, expletive, expletive-ing my pants. Uh, very scary. Uh, you know, Real Monarchs had a, lo a lot of chances. They had 17 shots compared to Reno's 11. And, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty terrifying. And, uh, the announcers were talking a lot about the Nash Nashville, uh, um, Cincinnati match, which had just gone into overtime at that point, or I'm sorry, sorry, uh, penalty kicks. And so I was expecting like, I'm um, like, Oh no, Oh no, this match is going to do that too. You know? So I was freaking out. And then Brian Brown came out of nowhere as he does often actually, and scored in the 90th plus uh, sec second minute, so that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty nuts. Um, I was. Uh, I sounded a lot like Dylan. Uh, my voice was shot, and uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty sketchy, man. I mean, both teams were really, really even. Um, Rail Monarchs would would take a really close shot, 
a, a really they ha- they would make a really good opportunity, you know, but not able to capitalize. Reno would do the same thing on the other side of the field. Uh, I know that you know possession was straight fifty fifty for each side, so um, very very close match. Reno able to pull it out at the end. Thank God for Brian Brown, and that's <laughs> all I've got to say about that. <laughs> Dylan, I mean, I was only able to watch the uh, the highlights of this match, but everything was so focused on the uh the monarchs attack i was surprised uh, given their hemorrhaging of points mm. the last month month and a half of the season um but this is the first time i've really felt that maybe reno is um isn't as invincible as i i actually think they are um they seemed like they were having a hard time dealing with the monarchs especially to that second half and i mean what really matters is who ends out on top at the end and Brian Brown, 92nd minute, that'll do it. Um, but it gave me a little bit of hope thinking forward <laughs> to this coming match. If we're being completely honest, I, I agree with you on that, Dylan. It's definitely uh, one of those things where Reno's scary uh, because of the run they were on ending the season. But with that match, maybe it's sort of, uh, again, it, it gives orange County fans a little less to I guess less worry, even though really that shouldn't be the case. Richard, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, looking at the highlights of, of the Reno match, I really don't know how they pulled this one out. I I was watching it and kind of going through there, and, you know, it really seemed as though Monarchs should have had this thing put away, you know, well into the early parts of the second half. You know, mischance after mischance after mischance, but give Reno all the credit. They didn't really get shaken. You know, they they stayed steady. Um, they took all the gifts that Monarchs were willing to give, and they took advantage of the opportunity when it presented itself. So uh, I think, like you guys have mentioned, Reno came into this one red hot. Uh, they've definitely cooled a little bit, at least in my eyes. Um, so it's either going to be a bounce back performance for Reno or, um, you know, most likely it's going to be the end of the line. Now, uh, you know, with this matchup, uh, you got Reno that has uh, two or three former Orange County players on the roster. I, I know the last match of the season, uh, one of those players um, had a pretty solid game against us. Uh, I can't remember the name right off the top of my head, but you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, I don't know Reno's roster that well, but I, I this is where I love having the experience that we have on the Orange County roster. Uh, so coming into uh, before we get into sort of a game preview, uh, I don't know if if we're qualified enough to pick sort of a MVP um, uh, for this match. I guess John would probably be the best uh, the best person to pick a. Uh, player of the match I pick one too, for the John, Reno but, uh, match. Well, let's let uh, John go first, and then Dylan, you can... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it's Matt Persano, the goalie for uh, Reno. I mean, he's he was so clutch. Um, yeah, pretty much like what Richard was saying, uh, Real Monarchs had a lot of opportunities, and then all of a sudden, uh, Mr. Superman between the pipes, uh, Matt Persano, um, just showed up, man. I mean, when they were playing Orange County, or after they played Orange County, and... Uh, Enna Voldson was the guy who scored on him. I asked uh, I asked Matt if he could catch lightning bolts if Zeus threw them at him. And uh, he he's, was pretty confident with his answer. <laughs> and he definitely showed up against uh, the Real Monarchs. And in the last... Reno has been is undefeated now in their last eight matches. And I think in that time span, Matt Bersano has had four or five shutouts. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's in good form. He's playing really well. Hopefully he keeps it up and, uh, he's my MVP. All right, Dylan, did you have a different thought or no, nothing to add? I mean, <laughs> it has to be him. No one else even came close to having as much of an impact as he did. And that's saying something because Brian Brown literally scored the game winning goal, but had Bersano not been playing out of his skin, that game probably would have been three or four goals to uh, to the Monarchs, I think. So then uh, hopefully he got it out of him last week, so this next week he's more back down to earth, I guess. I'm hoping. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please, let it happen. Richard, I don't know if you have a thought you could say as far as a, a player of the match other than uh, Matt Bersano. 
I, w- I wish I could. I mean, you know, Brown with the game winner. Uh, you know, you can always, <laughs> you, you can never go wrong with a man who scores a, a game winning goal. Um, but no, it, it, it just absolutely has to be uh, Bersano. I mean, he's just, uh, even just watching the highlights, you could tell he willed Reno into this match with Orange County. And so uh, hopefully his shoulders are wide enough to carry the load for a second match because if they play like they did against Monarchs, they're they're going to need it. Yeah, it, it, that, that makes sense. Um, so let's get into it. This match coming up this Saturday, Championship Soccer Stadium, Great Park in Irvine, 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, there's pregame festivities at the stadium. There's a pregame meetup at Knollwoods. Uh, so... Uh, John, if you have any of your Reno uh, fans that are going to be heading down, let them know uh, Knollwoods Hamburgers, which is in Irvine on Sand Canyon, is the place to go if they want to go for the like official pregame meetup. Uh, Dylan and I will be there. We're actually going to broadcast, do our uh, uh, another pregame live broadcast live from the Knollwoods. Uh, last week, the St. Louis fans outnumbered the Orange County fans, at least inside. Most of the Orange County fans were out enjoying the weather on the patio. Uh, so, John, make sure you let your your fans know that. Definitely, we'll do. <laughs> so, um, let's get our thoughts on this match, and uh, I want to start with the outsider opinion on what what they think uh, will happen in this match. So, I'm going to go to Richard. Uh, what are your thoughts for this match this weekend? Uh, Reno uh, coming down to Irvine to face Orange County. Well, I, I honestly think it's going to be a lot tighter than maybe you might expect. Uh, you know, I Orange County is going to be, you know, coming off a high from that win against St. Louis. And Reno really is going to come out and have something to prove. You know, they know that they can play with Orange County. Um, I think it's going to be tight. I would expect this match to go to penalties. Uh, but I do think that Orange County is going to pull it off. I think that they got enough talent on the roster. I think from start to finish, they are, at least on paper, the better team. And they seem pretty well set up for a deep playoff run. So Richard thinks it's going to go into penalties, but even in penalties with super goalkeeper Matt Bersano, you think Orange County will uh, will pull it off. So uh, um, that's that's a pretty interesting thought there. Uh, John, uh, what are your thoughts heading into this match? Uh, anything you're worried about heading into here, either uh, with Reno or with Orange County? Um, sure, I'm I'm worried about penalties, <laughs> just because. <laughs> Penalties are like the most, it's almost like, uh, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want, I almost died guys from the last match because of the anxiety that it caused me. I don't need more anxiety in my life. So I, I rather one team wins in, uh, in like devastating fashion. Um, it's just easier on the heart, you know? Uh, as, as for what I actually think is going to happen, I think that penalties is actually kind of likely. Um, I think that, I, I don't know, it's it's really tough to say. The first time the two teams played, it was a, it was a draw in Orange County. Uh, and then they played in Reno where, uh, well, you guys know what happens. So I won't, uh, I won't go out of my way to describe it. But, thank um, you. What? Oh, I was just saying thank you. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Um, but this is, you know, it's a whole different ball game when it's away. And, um, I mean, we'll have to see what happens, man. I think it's going to be a close match. Uh, to be fair, I thought the last two were going to be close as well. The first one obviously was second one, not so much, but we'll have to see what happens. I think that Andre wall, uh, Rawls, pardon me, um, is just as capable as Matt Persano. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, I don't know, man. Was that a little like, what is it, Freudian slip there, calling him Walls, uh, thinking that he's pretty much a wall out there, is going to stop everything? Uh, I think it was. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. Got yeah. the phrase correct, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, what are your, uh, your thoughts on this? Anything about Reno that's scaring you? Anything with Orange County's form that's scaring you heading into this match? Well, anything given Orange County's form after last match is uh, nothing scaring me there. Um... <sighs> Reno's worrying to me. I mean, they're obviously good. Um, they're in good form. I mean, I can't say that they're not in good form, even if they did have their backs up against the wall. Uh, I mean, we, as Orange County fans, had our backs up against the wall probably four or five times towards the end of the season and, and pulled out late wins. And I still said we're in good form, so that's only fair. Um, it's terrifying. 
if this game goes to penalties, I'll probably die. Um, I would hope that it either gets done um, just in regular time or in extra time. Penalties to me are the dumbest possible way to decide a game. It's it's a bit like a shootout. I mean, it's essentially the same like a shootout in hockey. Um, it's kind of just a disappointing end to what's generally a really exciting match. Well, yeah, um, could so. you picture like a basketball game ending in like a free throw shootout or a football game on a, you know, extra point kickoff or kick out or whatever you want to call that? So yeah, I, yeah, I might actually watch more NFL if they ended on extra point kicks. <laughs> that would be pretty fun given the way those games go. Uh, that'd be some pretty constant action, <laughs> but I mean to me it's just I'm hoping they do the best um they can, but they don't concede or don't concede too many times um and and that they just show up the way they did last week and that they get it done uh, i don't i don't like penalty kicks and i mean if you win on penalty kicks it's technically a draw um so at me cincinnati <laughs> fans you still have less playoff wins than orange county wow calling out the, the cincinnati fans and he did a mic drop Any i could hear that I right can. there uh richard you had a quick thought on on what dylan was saying i believe yeah, I would just say, you know, although I think Orange County is going to win and move on, the one thing that should really kind of frighten you a little bit about Reno is that they've shown, especially last match, that they can find a way to win. The most dangerous types of teams in the playoffs are the ones that can manufacture victories out of basically nothing. So they're strong defensively. They're going to be really hard to break down. You know, this one's going to be tight. I mean, this one I think is uh, – Probably the best match out of the four matches left in the USL playoffs. So uh, I, I like what you say there, Richard, is, is you know, the fact that they were able to sort of, uh, you know, manufacture win there or whatever they did in the end there to get that. Uh, by the way, I think Orange County has done something like that. I think they one-upped Reno, at least in that type of match, where they actually scored two goals in extra time against OKC earlier in the season. Oh, by the way, that was one of our nominees for win of the year on the Orange and Black Soccer Cast Awards, which we will be announcing the winners once this playoff run is over for Orange County. So, uh, you know, Orange County's not a stranger to uh, pulling out victories in extra time. So uh, I agree with, with Dylan is I don't want to see it going into penalty kicks. But that's definitely a possibility with these teams, although uh, I'm hoping that the experience that Orange County has on their roster is going to shine again. Uh, I, I, I would be shocked if there's going to be much of a rotation in the starting lineup uh, from Coach Cloutier, just because you could hear in his comments that, I mean, these players that he played in that first playoff matchup, they were brought on this roster for playoff soccer, uh, and in, you know, hopefully it continues. Uh, I know Richard gave us sort of his prediction on how the match would end with a victory in penalty kicks for Orange County. I don't know quite if we got a prediction from John on this match as far as a victor. I know he said it would probably go into penalties as well. John, did you have a, a choice for victor? I can't remember if you actually mentioned someone as far as a victor. Yeah, well, I, I think Reno can totally beat OC again. Um yeah oh everybody <laughs> sigh yeah <laughs> hey guys I i'm on twitter as well if you want to come and give me your your size <laughs> no um i mean i hate i really hate uh picking you know uh, a winner in in contests like this it's hard um but i gotta go with my team man i'm gonna go with reno two to one Ooh. Yeah, and, and totally I'll, I'll do you one further. The one who's going to score for OC is Enid Boldson. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's my pick, man. I, I think it's totally fair, but if you could now just add a couple get more to the that podcast, that'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at Dylan. Um, Dylan, what are your thoughts as far as the outcome of the match? Who's going to win the match? Uh, what's the score you're predicting? 2 1 OC. I mean, I think this, this game is actually going to be a one goal game. Um, that's what Unless you said last gets, week, too. Yeah, I know, but this Reno team is substantially better than that St. Louis team. Um, unless someone's getting beat on a late counter, I really think we're going to see a a one-goal victory. Um, I'm predicting it's going to go Orange County's way, the way they dominated that St. Louis match. Um, if they continue that and can nullify pretty much uh, Antoine Hopenol, then I don't think they're going to have too much of an issue 
Um, and I really hope that does not come back and bite me because <laughs> I don't need that. I'll send you uh, a picture of uh, of Antoine Opino again if uh, if it works out in my favor. <laughs> um, predictions for me. Uh, I'm predicting Orange County wins 2-0. So, there. Uh, Dylan, <laughs> Dylan had a little bit of an idea. We're here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading what he wrote here in our little chat as we're doing this. Uh, let's... Uh, Let's just do this. Let's just play a quick little fantasy real quick, and then we'll, we'll get to the wrapping up of this episode. Uh, for the match, uh, let me just ask John straight up, who would be the five PK t- uh, takers for Reno if it did go into penalties? Um, ooh, uh, it hasn't happened. I don't think Reno's gone to penalties this year. Uh, but if they did, uh, probably Brian Brown. That one's, uh, that one's pretty obvious. Probably go with Lindo, Lindo Mafeka, um, Mo Chow, uh, Seth Kasipli. He's taking some good penalties. And for the fifth one, hmm, the fifth one's a, a little tough. I could go, I'm going to go with someone fun. We're going to choose the defender, but the captain, Zach Carroll. He's uh, had two goals this season, both headers, so I'm sure he'll find a way to make it in. All right, then, Dylan, you're representing OC. Who are the five penalty kick takers for OC? I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I, I totally stole this idea from um, Blaine from County Line Coalition. <laughs> so just giving credit where credit's due. But I have to agree with the five that he picked, which is Seton, Annabolton, Quinn, Chaplow, Bierman. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was our th- three of our top scorers in there. Bierman might actually be up there now, too, with uh, Ramos Godoy at probably four or five. So... I think that's probably our strongest. If it goes past five PKs, <laughs> I'm, I will die. I will not make it through this match. I just I, really want to see goalie PKs. <laughs> Those are the best. Well, then you got to watch I Las Vegas, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh Vegas. Oh Vegas. <laughs> I would. I would be vomiting everywhere from stress if this went to goalie. Oh my! I would oh, too. Oh, I don't know geez. if anyone would actually. The the passionate fans probably would not make it through the match. Everyone. I mean, there there'd be so. Dylan many and I die. Just that's it. It, it, so it's, it was nice podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> if this happens, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, yeah. uh, I I will continue on without either of you. I'll I'll lose my two <laughs> my two co-hosts in one game. Just give us a memorial minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll I'll pour out a little bit of my Murphy's Irish Stout uh, the next episode if that happens. Just point out which player killed us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's our predictions uh, for the match. Uh, let's do a quick rundown of the other matches. I just want to just you know a, a pick the team i don't want to hear an explanation as why you pick it but who you think is going to win these matches we'll go one by one so we'll start off with the phoenix uh phoenix rising fc versus swope park rangers uh richard what are your thoughts who's going to win that match you know i, I think drago is on a mission phoenix is a complete team you know mls two teams are always difficult in the playoffs to beat uh, but i gotta go phoenix rising i think that their destiny is the western conference finals and john what about you Phoenix Rising. All right, and Dylan. Yeah, no, I gotta follow that one. They didn't. Uh, Portland didn't do the giant killing last week, so I'm, there's no more giant killings on the West Coast. So you're going with Phoenix. Phoenix. All right, and I will go with Phoenix. So that's a sweep there. FC Cincinnati versus New York Red Bull Two, and Richard, who's gonna win that match? New York Red Bull Two. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> And uh, John, what about you? New York Red Bull 2. And Dylan. Three out of four. Red Bulls 2. I will pick Red Bulls 2 as well. Oh, just because I don't. Because it's it, honestly, because Dylan and I don't want to have to travel to Cincinnati. I don't, I don't even know if we'd be able to. <laughs> I mean, if we're being final. honest, Cincinnati did not play well. Yeah, they did. Against mm-hmm. Nashville. I was hoping Nashville, Nashville did not play well in that, that, that second would have been awesome. extra time. And they have so. not played well against New York. That's been. Mm-hmm. That was the one team they did not want to see in the first round of the playoffs. So, so I think Red Bulls, round. yeah, I think Red Bulls can definitely get it done. And then the last match to uh, pick Louisville versus Bethlehem Steel. Uh, let's go in semi reverse order. Let's start with Dylan. Uh, I gotta go with Louisville here. And John, did I? Uh, did that make sense? Uh, yeah, I think that did. Yeah, Louisville. <laughs> yeah. And Richard. Louisville. And I'll pick Louisville. Dude, we're all on the same uh, thing. <laughs> Except for the Orange County match, we have one 
person that is, uh, you know, staying out of the perfect. If 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 John would just move on over to OC side on that match, we'd mm. all agree on every single one of these matches. Can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, really quick, as we do on each every episode, we're gonna end the episode giving each of our uh, guests, and then of course Dylan and myself a chance to just share a random thought idea. It could be soccer related. It could be just about nearly anything. I think last week someone referenced a book of some sort. Um, if anyone still reads books. Uh, so let's go. Ouch. <laughs> let's go first with, uh, let's go with Richard. Richard, uh, what's your random thought to end the episode with? My random thought to end the episode with, um, not so much a random thought, but I'll give you a random prediction. Uh, I believe that in five years, the USL League Cup will be more popular than the US Open Cup. Definitely a, a possibility there. I, I, I honestly think you have a, a thought there. That, I just uh, think it's going to be better. It's good. It's going to be better marketed, better yeah. funded. You'll actually be able to watch it on TV. Like it's it's not a not as crazy as it might seem. Well, you'll be able to watch it on ESPN Plus, so you have to have uh, an app that works, probably, right? Yeah, right. But <laughs> uh, John, what about you? Any random uh, thing you want to share with uh, our listeners? Sure. Yeah. Uh, for those who like eggnog, they are selling a pumpkin spice eggnog, and while the pumpkin spice part sounds basic. The eggnog part is not basic. So do yourself a favor. Head down to Scalari's or Scalari's is local. So head down to Walmart. Head down to whatever else you have in Orange County and grab yourself a pumpkin spice eggnog. I don't have a brand. I'm not trying to sell you a product. I'm just saying if you want to land yourself into a place of eternal bliss, eternal meaning only until you finish the actual eggnog, then get yourself some pumpkin spice eggnog. So we know which commodities. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Apparently, Dylan has already started. Had too much eggnog. <laughs> I know. Dylan's already started drinking that eggnog there. <laughs> that, see, that's a feeling you'll get, guys. Check it out. Pumpkin spice eggnog. John passed that feeling through the interwebs <laughs> of podcasting to Dylan's microphone. And oh, what happened there, Dylan? Are you okay? I didn't feel an earthquake. Were you sprinting to yeah, the store? Just... <laughs> um, i was um moving my microphone a little bit and knocked it off the edge of, it's sitting about an inch off the edge of my desk well, come on man and managed to knock one of the legs off the desk so <laughs> wow you broke your desk this sums up my week awesome no no no. my desk is fine awesome this desk will be fine forever it's beautiful <laughs> all right dylan your random thought besides uh crazy microphone stuff Okay, wow. Um, I guess I have a couple here. Uh, people do still read books. I literally go to school for that. Um, I, I should give a literature recommendation. So I will give a literature recommendation of Marianne Moore's poem titled Poetry. And finally, Hugo Laurie is a terrible goalkeeper. His slide today was the funniest thing I have seen all week. Okay. You just you did that on purpose, really, right? Oh, you know I did. You know I did. John, but it was actually John a and Richard. Plan, you know so. I'm a huge Tottenham fan. I I I usually mm. will mention it every episode. By the way, by Andy, you can stop listening now. That's sort of our inside joke there because he hates when we start talking about other, anything other than USL soccer. Um, so thank you for that, Dylan. That's just sort of a slap in the face there. <laughs> um. Random thought for me. My random thought is uh, I'm hoping in this Orange County match this weekend, Orange County versus Reno, that the ref doesn't play a big part of the match. I hope uh, pretty much at the end of the match no one's complaining or no one's questioning anything from the referees uh, in the match. Is that possible? Yes. Is it realistic? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, anyone can hope. Uh, and by the way, Dylan, you suck. Um, Tottenham's still great. Hugo Lloris is still an awesome goalkeeper. Uh, and that was all on Christian Erickson, who had a horrible match today for Tottenham. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to jump back in, oh, and go I'm going to give a shout-out to the OC staff that listened to the podcast, including Ben, who gave me a bunch of trash on Saturday night for wanting a seat in Jersey. Um, you know, And some of the players, too, that listen. Yeah, and the player. I mean, honestly, everyone who's listening, a big thank you to all of you. Yeah, but the players It more. means so much. <laughs> I'm, especially I'm joking. those I'm of you who have... I mean, honestly, I would want to. I wouldn't want to host a podcast about my job or listen to a podcast about my job. So, 
Okay, I got. You know, I, kudos to you. Guys. I got to do one last random thought because uh, this sort of pertains to the podcast. Is uh, last Sunday I was went. This was after you know our awesome match. Voice is gone. I'm half asleep still. Went to Pete's Coffee to grab some coffee for my wife and I. Uh, while I'm waiting in line, this young gentleman comes up uh, by the name of Logan and comes up to me and says, hey, you're Ray, right? And I said, yes. He's like, you do the podcast, right? And I'm like, yes. So I guess my first ever out in public, someone recognizes me because of the podcast, which is nice, pretty cool. That's awesome. Especially, especially since yeah, that we, feels incredible. we don't do a video stream of our podcast. So, I mean, the only way, I mean, I know I have a big old picture of myself on our on our website. Dylan, I'm still waiting for you to give me a picture and a oh, bio. Yeah, I gotta get that. I've been waiting for like six months for that. I got like a five page paper due tomorrow and a presentation. Who cares about school? Oral surgery. Yeah, you don't need school. All right. I know it's getting really late out here, especially for some of you that are maybe not on the West Coast. Uh, So I want to do this. I want to give, let's go with Richard first. Uh, Let our listeners know where they can uh, read more from you, hear more from you, whatever, uh, you know, wherever our listeners can find you. Yeah, so you guys can find my work um, at BGN Written. Uh, That's uh, uslnews.com. Uh, I'll be kind of popping in and out of some different podcasts here, especially since Indy, uh, Indy got smoked pretty bad in the first round of the playoffs. So, uh, I'll be just kind of popping around, giving an outsider view of different matches. And, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, safety guy. Awesome. Thank you for that. And John, I- I'm sure our listeners probably already have heard this information, but just, you know, let them know again, where can they, uh, hear more from you uh, and where can they follow you on social media? Oh yeah. Check out 1868 weekly for all things 1868. Um, I should probably say the whole team, huh? Reno 1868 FC. Uh, And that's just 1868 weekly on Twitter and follow me personally. If you want to see a bunch of things that probably won't affect your life at all at uh, John Macaluso on Twitter. Awesome. And you can always follow our podcast. Twitter is at OCSC underscore soccer cast on Facebook at the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Uh, Instagram, OCSC underscore soccer cast. Our website, orangeandblacksoccercast.com or for shorter, you can do OCSCpodcast.com. Feel free to go over there is where we have all of our episodes and we'll have links to all of our uh, guests, including John's uh, 1868 Weekly and, and we'll put a link um, to where you can find some of Richard's uh, articles on Beautiful Game Network. For those of you listening that have been listening since day one, thank you for coming back each and every episode. We appreciate it. For those of you that have just joined us for the first time and you want to hear uh, some of our previous episodes, uh, again, check out our website. You can find all of our episodes on there, or you can find us on any of your favorite podcast sources. Uh, with that said, I am Ray for our guests, Richard and John. And for Dylan, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And we are out. Podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.